today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. As we were talking about the school rollout program, and of course you may remember now, the uh, provincial government uh, announced their plans, their framework, uh, late July, uh, which some people said was too late. But one of the concerns that we raised consistently, a lot of talk went to the classroom. So what about school busing, which is a key part of this? And and it has been a problem even before COVID. Uh, There was always going to be some concerns about uh, the number of uh, drivers that are going to be available, uh, delays, cancellations on some routes. Well, as bad as the problem was in some jurisdictions before COVID, uh, it has been nightmarish for families and for drivers and for everybody else involved uh, in the short period of time that uh, we've tried to get the kids back into school. So what are we going to do about this? Uh, it, it's it's concerning here. I know I've got some stats here in the Hamilton area. 34 bus routes were canceled due to lack of drivers, uh, according to a story from CBC Hamilton. Uh, and it's not the first time something like this has happened. I want to bring Nancy Daniel into the conversation. Nancy is the executive director with School Bus Ontario. Uh, to give us some perspective on this. Nancy, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, we've got a real problem here, a real concern here, and I know that uh, I, I was not the only voice that was talking about this, but I've I've talked to so many parents that are concerned about this. Uh, maybe you could explain. I mean, we're, I've got Hamilton numbers here, but my understanding is this is going on in, in many other communities as well. It is. It's province-wide this year, and, and the, the main reason is because of covid and drivers are very, very concerned about catching COVID. Our demographic is over the age of 60. The majority of our drivers are over the age of 60. It tends to attract retirees because it's, you know, it's a part-time job and it's a split shift. And it seems always in the past it was good for a lot of retirees because it gave them a little bit of extra spending money. But this year, because of COVID, there's a tremendous amount of concern. So the drivers just aren't coming back. And then you combine that with a couple of months where we weren't able to recruit and train new drivers, and we are way behind. This is not what we wanted. We wanted to have a really good, safe start to the school year, but there are situations right now that are beyond our control. Let me ask you about the recruitment part of that, because I know that over the last couple of years I've had discussions with uh, with boards about that, and, and one of the frustrations they have is uh, sometimes as late as the last week of August, which is you know getting very close to the beginning of a school year, uh, they still don't know how many drivers are going to be available. And how how do you rectify something like that? Because there's got to be some consistency, and, and you need to know it's what, what the lay excuse me the lay of the land is going to be. Yeah, and we share the concerns. Some of the issues, right? Well, as as I said, this year was unique because we mm-hmm. were out of commission for a couple of months where we couldn't recruit. Everything was locked down, so we were behind three months, and trying to attract those new drivers was difficult. Then once we started. We were behind, and then you combine that with the fact that, you know, we didn't get the routes until some of the days, until the day before school started, where we didn't even know what the routes were. They weren't issued yet. So that added to the concern of the drivers. And then there was PPE. There was a whole host of other issues that just made it a really, really difficult start for us. Yeah, I was uh, watching one of the moms in our neighborhood picking up uh, their little girl yesterday, uh, and uh, it's it's a different scenario because I, I we'd heard about what was going to go on, and we've talked about workplace safety in the classroom, uh, but that bus is the workplace for your drivers, and and I mean I can understand that there's going to be some concerns about public safety and and about how they can be protected. What what kind of what protocols are being put in place here to ensure that the drivers are going to be as safe as possible? Well, the province has issued PPE to us, which is masks and visors. They're supposed to wear the visors when they're loading and unloading at the school. 
that gives the drivers a little bit of an extra layer of protection. They have hand sanitizer and gloves. The windows are supposed to be open, weather permitting, to increase ventilation. Mm -hmm. And they're loading the buses differently, JK at the back all the way up to the front, so that, you know, there's fewer people passing each other on the school bus. But, you know, the main issue on a school bus is that it's really difficult to do physical distancing. That's the issue. And there are still a lot of people who are opting to do online classrooms. So 30% fewer kids in the classroom but what's happening is some of the routes are therefore being combined and the buses are still full. So that adds another layer of concern to the issue for our school bus drivers. I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask you about that. The, the bus I was looking at yesterday uh, that was in our neighborhood only had a handful of kids on it. And I, I don't know if that's unusual or not for that particular route or if this is the end of the route. I, I'm not sure exactly what's going on. But I had heard anecdotally that uh, that some of the drivers are concerned about the fact that social distancing is, is essentially impossible uh, because of some of the doubling up they've had to do with routes and things like that. Uh, that's got to be concerning for the drivers because they know that it's increasing the odds of a spread if then something's going to happen. Absolutely. And that is the probably the number one concern that our drivers are saying to us right now are the number of children on the bus. I mean, you know, if, if we were in stage two or some other stage where you could only have a certain number of people on the bus, it probably would make it easier. But then you have students who are left out not being able to get to school. So it's a vicious cir- circle, really. And then adding to the confusion are some school boards, and I don't know if this is the case in Hamilton, but it's different across the province, but some school boards will have different policies. For instance, if a school bus driver goes to pick up a child at a bus stop and the child is exhibiting obvious signs of sickness, like a cough, or they just really look ill, and there's no parent or guardian there to take them home, obviously the bus driver has to put them on the bus. Mm -hmm. And then the school buses are saying, well, put that child alone on the seat directly behind the driver that's a concern for the driver sure because then the child who is exhibiting these signs of sickness is really close so you know it's just multiple layers of issues that have not been worked out we're very disappointed with the way it started we always have been you know proud of our safety record of being able to get kids to and from school every year this year is very different and it's not something we wanted we're trying to work out the details with all the different boards and the government it's just one issue after another this year. You know, there are some transit systems that, uh, as we moved into this phase, of course, uh, had to retrofit a number of their, their buses, uh, you know, with plexiglass and things of this nature to try to do what they could to maximize the, the protection for drivers. Uh, that would be a very expensive enterprise, I guess, with school buses. And I, I, I well, somebody's got to pony up for the cost of that. Uh, you'd like to think that that would help assuage some of the concerns that the drivers have. But in the meantime, I mean, as I say, when the door opened yesterday, I saw this, it, that he, he had a mask on, and so did the kids have mask on on the bus. But at the same time, uh, you know, there's, there's still touching that's going on. You're still peeking by. And I, I can understand this, which I guess begs the first question. When you get around to, you know, when we said, okay, it's, it, you know, schools are going to be starting in a couple of days, uh, how do you recruit when, when people are saying, I, I don't know if it's safe at, at this stage? I mean, how, it, it, even people that have been doing it for years have probably had some apprehension about going back this year. Yeah, it's, it's, it's getting the, the drivers to come back. It's retaining the new drivers. And it's everything that you mentioned. And it's, you know, the, the whole issue of the barrier around the uh, school bus driver is an interesting one. Because on, on the one hand, you think that that would, that would help a lot. But on the other hand, we're not like the public transit 
um, buses because we only have one entry and exit point. Yeah. Um, and the the key issue for anything to do on a school bus is making sure that the driver has mobility to get to the younger students, like the JK kids who are three and four years old, and help them out in an evacuation scenario. So if that barrier, let's say, God forbid, there were a horrible circumstance where the bus crashed, whatever, and then that barrier prevented the driver from getting to a small child at the back, that's a problem. And that's why the barriers aren't necessarily recommended. Everything to do with a school bus construction is done through something called a D250 committee that's based through the Canadian Standards Association and the federal and provincial governments. And that committee has warned about several things in terms of an evacuation with those barriers. So not an easy solution. It's not an easy easy thing is it no of course not therein lies the problem and just as we've had discussions with some of our uh, our city politicians over the last couple of days about the the pressures that they're facing right now and and certainly you are in the industry here with school buses uh which is exacerbated by the fact that you don't know when this is going to end it's not as if well okay we just have to hang in here for five or six more months you don't know uh, how long this is going to be uh and and it's going to be somewhat problematic and i know that the government has told us that they're going to monitor all of this stuff in the classroom and certainly on school buses as well uh which i guess is cold comfort to somebody if they find they're going to be exposed to the virus absolutely and then you add to the fact that you know the operators are worried because when a when a route gets cancelled obviously when the bus isn't running they don't get paid so they're worried about their businesses on top of that. I mean, like I said, it's one layer after another of issues that there don't seem to be any answers to at this point. I mean, we're not like any other sector in Ontario. Every sector in Ontario has had trouble getting back up and running again. Um, ours is in the same boat. And um, it's a very scary time for a lot of people. And it's understandable. Well, we've had discussions over the last couple of years, as we say, the idea of shortages in, in school bus drivers is not new. It's, it's, it's a lot worse now because of COVID-19. Uh, but you know, the issue of compensation was something that came up time and time again as well, that uh, they don't make a ton of money for doing this. And, and it's, it can be a stressful job at times. I'm sure a lot of them have a lot of fun with it with the kids when things are normal. Uh, but the stress level has increased immediately, and I'm sure there are probably more than a few drivers that said, you know what, I don't need this anymore. I know it's not as if you're making a ton of money to do this, and I'm exposing myself to, uh, well, if you're a plus 60 person, as you say, most of the drivers seem to fall into that demographic, uh, you know that you're a higher risk for something like this. And, and we also know that, uh, that you know, kids may not exhibit all the, the, the symptoms, but they can be asymptomatic and they can be Absolutely. spreaders. Yeah, and that's the scary thing. And the issue of wages is another interesting thing because, you know, it's not consistent across the province. A lot of it is dictated by the contracts that the operators enter into with the individual school boards and the transportation planners, and there's no consistency. So that adds to it as well, and that's why it attracts retirees. And it also seems to attract, um, you know, new mothers and young mothers who, who um, you know, have just had kids and, and they want to get back in and make a little bit of extra money. But as I said, it's a split shift. It's part-time for the most part, and um, so, you know, that shrinks the availability of the labor pool. I, I know that we had a discussion uh, about the quote-unquote essential workers back when the shutdown happened last March, and as you may recall, of course, the the provincial government actually ponied up a little bit of extra money for some of those workers, uh, especially, you know, people that were paid on an hourly wage, grocery store clerks and things of that nature, uh, as, as 
essentially to say, look, at, you know, we, we know you're putting yourself in, in danger here in a precarious position. Uh, we want to make it a little more worth your while. Now, there's, there was a timeline to it. it, it didn't, it's not going to last forever. We got that, and some of them no. have already expired. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming, Nancy, they didn't offer you the same thing. Well, they offered us something that's called a driver retention program, which okay. is twice. Yeah, it's a twi- it's been in effect though. It's not new. It's been in effect for a couple of years. And what it is, the drivers who are eligible, and um, it's basically showing up to work week in and week out. They get a twice a year uh, bonus from this driver retention program, which is provincially funded. But that's not a new program, and they renewed it this year, which we're very thankful for. They did pour um, a lot of extra money also into what's called root protection, which is um, making available some additional funds for the cleaning and sanitizing of buses for bus drivers. You know, they have to spend an extra half hour a day cleaning and sanitizing. Sure. So they, they provided that kind of money for us. So we, we were very thankful for that. What happens? What's the protocol? Uh, because I know our parents are going to ask me this. and are going to email us as soon as we finish our conversation here. We we kind of have a pretty good idea what the protocol is going to be in a classroom if all of a sudden somebody tests positive or starts showing symptoms. Is there a protocol in place that what the drivers have to do if they think one of their, their passengers, one of their students, is, is, is exhibiting signs? I mean, you mentioned about if they were there, you have to pick them up anyway, but then what? Well, then, I, you know, and again, this depends on the local provincial um, public health unit. So we take our cues from all the different public health units from across the province. And it has happened in one or two circumstances. I can't remember where. I think it was in Ottawa. But um, there was someone who was symptomatic, and then the bus driver was put in isolation. It was up to the operator to find a replacement for that bus driver, and the students were notified. And to be honest with you, I don't know if they were put in isolation as well, but I know that the driver himself had to be put in isolation. Yeah, which means you don't work, you don't get paid. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we're in line, that, that, that's part of the problem in situations like this. As I say, the, the, the concern about what's going to happen and the implications for the drivers themselves, uh, which is why we see canceled routes. And it's, it's frustrating for everybody involved in this. And uh, you mentioned about the fact that, you know, what's going on in Hamilton is not, maybe not the same as what's happening in London or, not the, or Windsor or anyplace else. Would it help if there were provincial standards vis-a-vis pay, vis-a-vis working conditions, things of that nature? It would be helpful. It would be helpful if there were consistent contracts mm-hmm. that were fair and reasonable across the province. The, you're getting into some really nitty-gritty issues here that we've been asking for changes for for a very long time in terms of the way the contracts are set up and the way they work. And it gets really technical and legalistic. But um, yeah, we would like to see some changes to the way the contracts are made with the with the local school boards. Well, simply because we've seen because of some of the financial challenges, which are only worse now because of COVID. Uh, we've seen boards of education, you know, trying to do some innovative things. Here in Hamilton, of course, you know, well, there was the, the amalgamation of some routes, you know. There used to be a Catholic, uh, you know, school bus uh, system and a, and a private one, a public one. Uh, they, they're sharing routes now, and they're sharing that, and that's wonderful. Uh, you know, but the, the, the work and the input for the drivers themselves, I think, has to be part of that discussion as well. Absolutely, and we've been asking for that for a long time. And what hap- what's happening right now across Ontario is basically shining a spotlight on some of the weaknesses and the problems that have been that have existed in the system for years. And they're just coming to light now out how precarious a position we are with our driver pool, with all sorts of different issues with regards to the contracts. And I don't know if how familiar you are with school bus transportation, but there were two retired justices who did 
um, some really, really good reporting on some of the problems in the school bus industry and how the contracts are set up and, you know, arbitration and very legalistic and, and difficult system to navigate. And we had always said that we'd like to see some of those those recommendations implemented. And um, this is going back almost 10 years, though. But, you know, we're shining spotlight on some of the problems that we're having right now. And it's really, really disappointing that we're here. Well, as we've said with so many other facets of this, too, I mean, you know, this is not a problem that was caused by COVID, but it was certainly exacerbated by COVID yeah. uh, because it's it's different now with social distancing, with the other protocols that have to be in place right now. And it puts a great deal of pressure on the drivers themselves. Uh, and, and, you know, you'd like to think that at some point there's going to be a, a broader discussion about this and how we can try to alleviate this uh, for as long as this is going to be happening. Because as we just talked about from a, a, a political standpoint with a couple of representatives from city councils, uh, you know, they've already been told that, look, at, things probably aren't going to change much in 2021 as they are right now, so you better be ready for that. Well, I guess that same message goes out to you too and the drivers. Yep, and we're doing everything we can to fix it. We've had extensive conversations with the provincial government. We've had extensive conversations with the local school boards. We're doing everything we can to try and fix the situation. Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of solutions right now. Um, and we're just asking, I mean, I hate saying this, but we're asking for patience. And that's, it's not an answer. I know that. But it, it's where we are right now. What kind of feedback are you getting from your drivers? You know, it's difficult. I mean, there's a lot of them that are really positive and saying, you know, let's do the best we can this year. Let's make the best of a bad situation. There are others who are just saying, you know, I really like doing my job, but, you know, I've got an elderly parent at home or I've got grandkids I want to see. So I'm just deciding to, to leave the industry. It's sad well, just, you know, a lot of these people are so loyal. Yeah. They, they've been doing this for a long time and they love it. Which only makes a bad situation even worse. Uh, Nancy, let's stay in touch on this and, and see. Yeah, uh, the, the government, uh, the provincial government has promised that they're going to monitor all facets of what's going on, uh, education, and, and busing, of course, is, is certainly part of that. And uh, they said that they can be flexible about this. So, you know, we'll see what kind of next steps, if any, they're going to make on this. But thanks so much for the time today. Oh, thank you so much. And thanks for diving into the real issues here. It's really hard to um, discuss some of these things in a school environment. There's so much going on, but we really appreciate it. Okay, thanks again, Nancy. Take care. Yeah. Stay well. Right. Nancy Daniel, Executive Director for the uh, School Buses of Ontario. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.